Um, fantastic. Well, as you guys know, it is Palm Sunday this morning, isn't it? Where we celebrate Jesus coming into um, Jerusalem. But we're almost a week ahead here at the Lantern. We're going to be talking about the crucifixion this Sunday. So if you've got your Bibles, it would be amazing if you can turn to or, you know, press the buttons to John 19, verses 16. Go from there. My Bible's slightly different, so it's, all, it's almost on the screen as well. So I'll, I'll read it off there rather than on there. Okay. How about we, um, we just pray before we look at God's word? Father, we give you space now just to ready our hearts. I pray that in the quiet, you can make us vulnerable to you, vulnerable to your word. I pray that you bring challenge, that you bring your spirit, Lord, in power. Thank you, God, in his precious name. Amen. So, finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, and carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side. And Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and in Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, Do not write the King of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be the King of the Jews. Pilate answered, Why I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one for each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's decide by lot who will get it. This happened that the scripture may be fulfilled that said they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and putting the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, lifted it up to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. I think we'll leave it there. This is the pinnacle of our faith, the crucifixion of Christ. And so much of what we do, who we are as Christians, hinges on this moment. I want to talk about the transforming power of Christ this morning, and specifically the transforming power and potential that is in you to go into communities, to go into your workplaces, to go into the people around you, to change and transform lives. If we can have the first slide. You know what I'm like? I, I quite like my slides really simple. I quite like my points really simple, and I hope you guys appreciate that. It's just easier for me to remember, and I think it's good. So my first point is place. And if you remember, Jesus is taken from Jerusalem up to Golgotha. 
Aramaic, it means the place of the skull. Now, I don't know about you, but if I turned around and I looked on, you know, Thompson, and I saw my holiday destination as the place of the skull, I'd probably be a little disappointed, wouldn't you? The place of the skull doesn't sound like a place with a good reputation, really, does it? It doesn't sound like, you know, the place of the school. You wouldn't name like a kid's playground that, would you? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a place with a very bad reputation. But yet Jesus is there. Jesus is at the center of that place. He is brought into that place. My question to you is this morning, and the first challenge I want to pick up from this bit of scripture is where is your Golgotha? Where is your place? Where is that place with a bad reputation or where you haven't seen the Holy Spirit break through? Where is your place? It could be at home. It could be in the workplace. It could be a a, a pub. It could be wherever. But in each one of you, God has laid a place where you have the ability to take Jesus into that place and see a place that is previously known as having a bad reputation to being a place of hope and being a place of joy and be a place of transformation. You see, Golgotha is no longer remembered as the place of the school, really, is it? It's remembered as the place where Jesus died for our sins, where Jesus provided hope for the sinner, where Jesus transformed the world. We have the ability of Christians carrying the light of Jesus to go into these places which are hard to reach, which are got those bad reputations and see those places transformed. But we have to bring Jesus Christ into it. We have to bring Jesus Christ into it. You see, as, as disciples of Jesus, we have transformation in our hearts. We have the light of the Spirit, the light of God in our hearts. I think sometimes we don't quite grasp the reality of that, the depth of that, the power that comes with that. That actually we have the God who spoke the universe into motion with a couple of words, lives inside of us through his Holy Spirit and can speak to the people around us. If we, if we knew that, if we knew the depth of it, can you imagine the transformation that this, this town would see, that this nation would see, that this world would see? If we as Christians walked in the light and the knowledge of what Jesus has done and what we can now do through him. Because the gospel isn't just Jesus dying for us. Did you know that? That isn't just the extent of it. Jesus didn't just die for your sins. That's not the end of the gospel. Who agrees with that? <laughs> it's not the end of it. We're called to go out. We're called to be missional people. We're called to be in communities. We're called to be in places where we can be a transforming light, where we can bring the Holy Spirit into those places. And when Jesus comes, Jesus transforms. The whole walk of a disciple is based around transformation, isn't it? From the moment you're converted, from the moment that you allow Jesus into your life and you surrender, you're transformed. And it, it was repeated all the way through Scripture. If you think of the first job that is given to Adam is to tend and look after and expand the garden to transform the earth to bring it into fruit that job hasn't changed apart from we don't deal with plants we deal with people our job is to transform the world by bringing the light and God's garden and God's truth and God's fruit into the people around us what an amazing challenge to us we are given that 
We are given that as a challenge. We are transformers as people. It doesn't mean that we can fold into a car or something like that, although that would be awesome. Um, we, are, we carry transforming potential to in and inside of us. Do you know Romans 12, 2? Do not conform to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the old has gone and the has come. You're no longer the old. You're no longer, I'm no longer just Phil. The old has gone, the new has come. I am now filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm now one with Christ. That means where I go, Christ goes. That means where you go, Christ goes. That means when you go to work, eight o'clock on Monday, wherever, Christ goes with you. It's not just this morning, it's not just Sunday. We can't contain God's glory to one building. I'm sorry, he's too big for that, isn't he? But instead, he goes with us everywhere we go. You carry the light of God inside of you. You have the ability to transform modern-day Golgothas by the power of Jesus into places of hope and places of transformation. So where's your place? Where's God laying on your heart, even as I speak now, that he wants you to go in and be that light of Jesus? Where is that place? It could be family. It could be hospitals. It could be wherever. But I think if we really think about it, Jesus reveals that to us, our mission ground. And what I'd recommend is when you step into that ground next, when you go into that place, go and pray in the knowledge that the Holy Spirit is with you. If it means going to work five minutes earlier just to get a word of prayer in before the start of the day, then do that. But go into that place and claim it as Christ's. Claim it as Christ's. You carry the potential of God with you wherever you go. You know, it it might might seem odd as a challenge, but do it. You see, when we go as Christians, it's the same as Jesus. Jesus was in the circumstances, but yet he was distinctively different. Jesus was in that place, but yet he was distinctively different. You know, it says about his garment, his um, undergarment being made of one piece of cloth. Amazing thing is, is that it was only reserved for the high priests. It's meant to point to Jesus as high priesthood. But yet he was hung next to two sinners. And he had one guy on the left of him and one guy on the right. One guy gave up his life and, for Jesus and the other guy just gave up his life. But he was there. He was amongst the sinners. And I think that's hopeful because it means that when we actually go into those situations, when we bring the light of Christ, it means that sometimes, you know, we don't get it right all the time. Or it's not that we don't get it right. Some people won't respond. But there is potential for people to respond. And there is potential for people to come and be penitent and to ultimately experience God. He was the pure lamb, but yet he was stood next to two thieves. In the workplace, be there, be distinctively different. There's no point in you being the light of Christ, hiding your light and becoming darkness, because otherwise you make no change. Equally, there's no point being the light of Christ in a room full of lights. Where you have the most impact is out in the community, in the darkness. And so when you carry that light of the Spirit, don't go and cover it with that bushel. Do you remember that? That story that um, 
in Matthew. Don't cover that up. That's my first point. Where's your place? And claim that place as Christ's. And you just wait and see what Jesus comes and does and transforms places that were previously known as places of death, places of bad reputation into amazing places of his transformation and hope. My second point. Um, If you're looking in your Bibles, you'll notice in verse 25 of this passage, it says, But standing near the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. From that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. That, that word, his own, is, is a Greek word, called, and it, it's spelled I-D-I-A, and it's idia, and it means private or belonging. Who knows that when we step into those places of Golgotha, that Jesus entrusts us with people whom we are supposed to give belonging. When you're in Golgotha, when you're in those places of hopelessness or even just, usually it's apathy rather than hopelessness, God entrusts you as a Christian to look after people that are precious to him. I think that's an amazing thing, isn't it? And it's not just a level of relationship where you're sort of like, How, hi, how are you doing? You had a good week? Yep, good. Uh, you know, it's not that type of conversation that he's calling us to have with those people around us, but rather it's the, it's the idiot, it's the belonging, it's about making family, it's about making those relationships where we're speaking into people's lives and actually knowing what they did last week and how they're doing. We give people belonging, we give people hope. It's amazing that um, this, this word, um, idiot, is, is used in John 1, um, 11. So if you don't know what that says, it says, when Jesus came to his own and they did not recognize him. When Jesus came to his own or he came to his own and they did not recognize him. This, this word idiot talks about the belonging that Christ gives to us as his people, as his sheep. It's used again further when it says that um, they are my sheep. It's that same word idiot, that belonging. Christ gives us belonging and therefore out of us should flow belonging to others. I think it's amazing that's one of our values at the Lantern, um, that we value um, belonging, that we value people finding their place. And it's not about just coming, but it's coming with an acceptance. You'll notice that the disciple whom Jesus loved, I think that's a very um, humble thing for John to do as he's writing the gospel to call himself that, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Um, but I also think he's confident in you know, who he is in Christ, isn't he? But you'll notice that Mary was accepted in her lowest moment. Let, let that ring true again for those people around you. Mary was accepted in her lowest moment. It can be amazing so often how the people of God are so willing to accept people when they're having mountaintop experiences. Is that right? But yet when people are at their lowest, 
our job as the light of the world is to shine a light into that darkness and to give acceptance where no one else will give acceptance, to give belonging where no one else will give belonging. Who is your people? It could be anyone, if you really think about it. Who are the people Jesus has entrusted to you to care for in that place? Is it artists? Is it the homeless? Is it the grieving? Is it mothers, fathers, young people, old people? I think it's amazing that we had um, the Shine Network and Tony and Roz come and speak just before I spoke because um, they are a people, and I'm sure they won't mind me saying this, who know their people. They know their people. They know their place. Each one of you has been assigned people to look after and we have to know them. And if you don't know them, if no one's ringing, coming to your mind, just ask the Holy Spirit. And he'll open that doorway up to you. He will tell you that. He will tell you who your people are. Who you are providing a light to. It could be your family. It could be anyone. You see, you, you remember the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10? Where um, the man is attacked by thieves. And the priests and the Levites walk past, but yet it's the Good Samaritan that um, picks him up, accepts him, and gets him patched up. We don't want to let our religiosity get in the way of our ability to help people, because dead religion doesn't do anything. Dead religion is what got Jesus to the cross, wasn't it? People just going after things that ultimately have no purpose. But when we're alive, when the love of Christ is in us, when the Holy Spirit is in us, when it gives us a voice, when we realize that potential, it means that we can step out and recognize the people who have been beaten, the people who are downtrodden, the people who are hurting. You know, Pilate had that opportunity, didn't he? Um, You see that he was trying to sort of say, oh, we shouldn't crucify Jesus. And it's almost like in this passage, he's trying to regain some of that moral high ground by sticking by his guns about a sign. Don't let your moral choices be an afterthought. Don't let your decisions on injustice be an afterthought. But in the moment, make sure that you are assuring that you are making the correct decisions in terms of justice, that you're stepping out when you need to step. Quite often, I've noticed that it just requires you to take one step further than you would normally take. Have you known that? Like when you're praying with someone or even just when you're chatting to someone and they're saying, oh, Oh, home's a bit rough at the moment and dot, dot, dot's happening and it's all a bit, you need to go and topsy-turvy. It only takes you to go one step further than you are comfortable with than for you than to see Christ transforming, transforming power. It only took Peter one more step than it was comfortable for him to step out the boat and go across the water, correct? What's that one more step you could be making to see people transformed and changed? To see people coming to that idea, that belonging. There was no argument at the cross, was there? It was just acceptance. When Christ gives you people, don't complain. When Christ gives you gives you people, don't complain about it. It's a blessing. It was Christ's family that he gave over to the disciple. Just as when we accept people, we are accepting Christ's 
family, Christ's creations. People are blessings, not burdens. Who's your people? Allow Jesus to come into that situation and just take that conversation slightly further. Point three. Payment. Who knows that transformation requires payment? Transformation requires sacrifice. You see, in order for Jesus to transform this world, it took him coming from the eternal worship of heaven down to earth, down to the muck, to come and pick us up and restore us. If we're wanting to see genuine transformation in the places and the people that Christ has entrusted us with, it requires us sacrificing something. It requires us stepping out. It might be that it requires you stepping out with your time, and giving over a bit more time, it might be that it requires you to step out in your finances, step out of your comfort zone, but it requires sacrifice. Each of one of you has something to give. And what we give anyway, it belongs to God, it's not ours, so why do we get upset when we lose it? God can provide. What's the reason that perhaps maybe we're not taking that step? Is it that we value our reputation? too much? Is it that we value <laughs> what we've got too much? Often it, it sort of asks those questions, those difficult questions of where we're finding our significance. Um, this guy has quickly become my hero um, this week, and it's a guy called James Barnett. Um, it's, he's a young guy who was born in 1985, which means he's a whole 10 years older than me. Um, but he, is, he, he quite literally took the words of Jesus where he said, give up everything and follow me. Give everything to the poor and follow me. He took that literally. He grew up in Florida in a Christian home, but he found that this religion that he was experiencing wasn't quite what he was seeing in the Gospels. And he, he went away on mission. And as he was scooping through a garbage, um, a rubbish dump, um, it's an American blog, so that's in my head. Uh, as he was going through a rubbish dump while people were picking up shoes, where people were picking up food, he met a prophetess named um, Mrs. Ruby. And Mrs. Ruby invited him back to his home, back to her home. And she said this, and if you've got a notebook, this is, I tell you what, this line killed me. This, if you're going to write down anything this morning, this is where... I think it's important. She said this, your obedience isn't defined by what you don't do. Your obedience isn't defined by what you don't do, but by what you do for the world your God so loved. Your obedience isn't defined by what you don't do, but what you do for the world your God so loved. See, there's a difference between admiring Christ and following Christ, isn't there? Because following requires sacrifice. Matthew, when he was sat in the tax collector's booth, had to give away all of those things, all of that money, and follow Jesus. Philip and Andrew, while they were a bit near the boats, had to lay down their nets and follow Jesus. When we follow Jesus, 
real transformation happens. And so this guy, after hearing what Mrs. Ruby said, um, went home and he turned around to his mum and he said, Mum, I want to be homeless. <laughs> Can you imagine if your, if your son or your daughter turned around to you and said, Mum, Dad, I want to be homeless? And you know what amazed me? His mum just turned around and said, Okay. She sensed there was a place and a people that James was called to. So he sold everything to go and help the poor. And he moved out of his house and he went onto the street. And the first week he was on the street, it was in Florida and it was tipping down with rain. And he found that he was underneath a bush shelter with another guy and he was handing him a rain poncho. And the guy said, thank you so much. Can you come with me? And so he followed this homeless man, and he was a bit dubious about this. And he walked up, and the man led him to a men's bathroom. And again, he was even more dubious. But yet he followed, and he trusted God. And when he opened the door to the men's bathroom, he saw 12 gents sat around the wall. And he said, you have given me something to me. I want to give something to you. And he bent down, and he picked his socks off his feet that were drenched in the rain. And he put them up and he put them under the hand dryer. And he said, this is how we clean our socks. This is how we warm our feet. James was in that place. But he was distinctively different. He was with a people. But he knew that those people weren't a burden. That they were loved by Christ. And after two years on the street, um, his, his feet, uh, he, he decided, I don't know why he did this, but he decided to go out in toms. And if you know what toms are, um, they're <laughs> these little plimsolls with a slight bit of canvas on them. And he wore these shoes for two years straight while he was on the street. And these are the shoes at the end of those two years, held together by duct tape. He gave up everything to go and see and reach the people and the place that God had called him to. This reflects exactly what Jesus has done for us. When we think about Calvary, when we think about God going to the cross, he steps down from a place of eternal worship in heaven to a place where he is the lowest of the low. Philippians 2 says, Although God, although Jesus in very nature God, became like man and humbled himself as a servant. This is the steps that Jesus took for you. What James did for those homeless people is great, but it doesn't compare to what Christ did for your heart. What Christ did so that you could have belonging. So what Christ did so that he could come into your place and speak into your life and see your life transformed from a place of hopelessness and a place of death into a place of life. So I've got three questions for you this morning. Where is your place? Who are your people? And what is your payment? If you'd like to bow your heads. Father, I thank you 
that what lives inside of us, what's in us, is greater than what is in the world. I thank you that we have the Holy Spirit shining a light inside of us, Lord. And I pray this morning for any supernatural um, baskets that are over our lamps, Lord, to just be lifted off, Father. Help us to take one more step. Help us to claim those places, those hills of Golgotha, those hills of bad reputation, those places where we can be a light, Lord. Help us to go into them and claim them by your Spirit. Claim them for your kingdom so that those places become hope, those places become joy, Lord, that those places become blessed, Father, in your name. And Holy Spirit, we pray for Merle, the people that this church serves. Father, we want to see transformation. We want to see revival, Father. We want to see your Holy Spirit come, Lord, and bring change. That starts with us. That starts with the transformation of our hearts. Equip us, Father. Speak to the dry bones and give them life, Lord. Lift up an army. Pray now, Father, for those places around the world that haven't been transformed or are waiting for that transformation. Think of the Middle East, Lord, in the desert. I thank you in Hosea, it says, let your spirit come to us like the rain, Lord. And we pray for the rain of your spirit in those places now, Father. We pray for the rain of your spirit locally, Lord, in our workplaces, in the towns near here, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In God's name, amen.